and we'll bu- Ryan and I will buzz in to see who answers first. <laughs> hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome to the EDM Unplugged podcast. This is Scarlett, and I'm right here with the one and only DJ MTK. And Golf clap. Golf clap. Boom, what's boom. up? What's up, guys? What's up? How are, how are we doing tonight? Lovely. I have my voice. I'm lovely. <laughs> All right. Do you want to get started with? Well, I could. Uh, thank you guys for stopping by. It's a Monday, the day after the Super Bowl. Uh, I can. It's funny that you just said that with my voice. How many times do you think you guys lose your voice after events and shows? Never for me. Always for him. Always for me. Okay, that's my struggle. Like, do you see this cracky voice? It's been like that for <laughs> months now. I work in a nightclub. I do a little bit of everything in the music industry. And how do you get your voice back? Because I feel like it's. I feel like it's also like. The ringing in my ears is never going away. Well, that's something <laughs> that you can't necessarily fix. But from uh, singing before, the only real cure for that is lots of hot tea, lemon, and honey. Okay. Thank you for the, the home remedy. That's it. That's all, that's all you can do. Or not screaming at everybody and in every scenario. Yeah, you can choose to be antisocial and not just knock, talk, talk to people when you're out in public. And you know. I should just hold some signs. <laughs> So you guys just had your pop secret party in Seattle. How was that for you? It was great. We love uh, all the Seattle crew. We come out there annually and play for the noise complaint night. We were one of the first people to play their noise complaint night. And so that's usually in the fall time. And then we've been lucky enough to come back and play Q a few times since then. Beautiful function one system, you know. That's awesome. So what happens after you're done with your set? Do you guys kind of discuss like, oh, you know what? You messed up with this or this could have been better or you're just done ready for the next one? Pretty much just done ready for the next one. If, I mean, usually if there's anything we have to say, we'll say it right there. Yeah, you just like you're just ready. I like that. So what are your individual roles like? I see the, the dynamic, like we are a lot more chill and you're just like more energy. Mm-hmm. How does it work? What are, what are is like Hugh do or Brian do for golf club? On stage? Uh, just in general. On stage, it's mainly my job to swing my towel over my head and root Brian on to play excellent tracks. <laughs> what about you, Brian? Uh... <laughs> I think you already answered it. <laughs> he already answered. So, okay, Hugh, what do you think is Brian's biggest strength? Brian's biggest strength is that he is consistent, and that is something that over I don't know how many years we've been playing together now is probably one of the good things I would say for anybody else too. Without playing, is you know stay consistent, be consistent. You know, that's you know we. You have to go on stage with somebody else every every night. It's good to know that they're uh, always going to show up, ready to do their job, bring it. We've never been any late to any shows. We've never missed any shows. You, you share know, the same knock, knock work ethic. Yeah, yeah, and so that's that's the thing that I that's what I appreciate that's not about, most find. about them. Yeah, that's right. Not easy to find. And why do you think it's his biggest strength? Uh it's like all the stuff that makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> He's better at doing like talking to a bunch of people and I don't know. How, how, I mean, I, I, let me know if this is a generic question because I know before we got on, it's like, hey, what are these <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you guys first met, how was that mixture then? Well, I think that's like you talked about organic grassroots things. Yeah. Like, this wasn't something that either of us were looking to do or looking for in each other or in a partner. I was running a different record label at the time, and you know, what year was that? 
oh, I would say around 2011, I would say 2011, 12 that year. I was running a different record label at the time and we signed a record of Brian's and it just, you know, kind of snowballed into talking a lot, then working on music and then eventually inviting him up to Detroit to play some shows. We start playing together and then, you know, over time, all of these things kind of just fit into place. Mm -hmm. We, you know, both did all of these things ourselves individually beforehand. He ran his own record label. He threw his own parties. You know, we both have done all of the jobs before, but it was like, hey, I have a knack for doing this portion of the thing. He has a knack for doing this portion of the thing. Let's, you know. And it just worked. Yeah. And it just kind of. Was that in Detroit where you guys met? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then kind of, uh, I don't know, went to Miami one year. Was it on an event or golfing? Not golfing. <laughs> How do you, where was it that you guys met? What event was it? Oh, I don't think it was an event specifically. I think maybe invited you up. What was the first time we actually, that's that's a really good question. Nobody's ever asked that. Like, when's the first time we actually hung out? Yeah, what was the very first day? Do you remember? Are you? <laughs> Not really. Well, <laughs> I mean, I want to say the first real time that we, because we were talking online a lot, you know, like on Skype and stuff and working on, on music and stuff. But I want to say the first real maybe hang was this random night I was throwing a party Um it was like the night of the show. And I was like, what are you doing tonight? And he was like, I don't know nothing. And I was like, if you get in the car right now and drive up, I will, uh, you know, put you, I like, I'm like carved out a slot right in the middle of the night, like Mm -hmm. 12 to one. I was like, you can come up here and rock it. I want to say we hung out in Chicago before that. Wasn't it like, was like the first time or whatever you came out, you came up to Chicago and I was coming out to play in Chicago. (laughs) He don't even know. Yeah. It's, it's one of, it's one of those, it's one of those two things, but. Yeah. So you obviously have a better memory than him. I'm in general, like I used to work in uh, like automotive industry for a little while. And one of the things we were, you know, teaching a lot was, you know, was about customers and, you know, customers for life and customer retention. So it's mm-hmm. one of the things that stuck with me being in that business was having a, you know, really photographic memory with people's That's faces. That's so true. And as much as I probably forget a ton, um, I feel like I have a decent memory, but it's the same kind of thing that same muscle that you use with music on how like you can hear a song and then Brian has this like, photographic memory with songs like you can tell them what the you can tell them a record and you'll be like oh well i know this song i know who remixed it i know where the sample came from the original oh, record wow. that's you so know. cool you combine but, your talent but i don't know who anybody is when they come up and talk to me <laughs> <laughs> like ah! I, I, i'm i'm not even exaggerating when i say like anybody it's really bad sometimes like i'll it, like as soon as we leave i have to ask you i'm like all right who is the guy that was like there all night he was like kind of my face and i totally acted like i knew who he was and right. i think maybe we Played for him somewhere before. Those guys. You played off though really well. You're oh, like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Great I, seeing you. Great seeing you, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and to a degree, I think most artists get a pass on that. And in general, I mean, you meet a lot of people and stuff. And it's really like, if you're present and there in the moment, and the time, I think that's. And also good. that people have to make an impression on you for you to remember them. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's just that the sheer volume of people and the sheer amount of things that we also have to remember, like, you know to get on stage and do our job correctly, you know, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's like, you know, as an artist and then also somebody that throws parties, I'm sympathetic of that as well. When it's like, you know, sometimes what you're thinking about 10 minutes before you go on show is not the people that you just met exactly. in a green room. It's no offense to anybody, but it's just that it's like, you're trying to think about how you need to be on stage and what you're going to do there. It's, uh, it's called Dunbar's number. It's the amount of, <laughs> the amount of people that you can remember at one time and like, remember how they correlate with each other. It's supposed to be like roughly 150. And, and speaking of uh, being on stage, I want to talk about, I've read in some interviews that you kind of get a little anxious being on stage. How do you deal with performance anxiety? I mean, it's really not that bad. 
It's not bad anymore. You kind of like. It never really was. I'm just saying I, I definitely notice I'm up there, but I'm not really worried about it. You're good now. You just like you I just mean, roll with the punches. <laughs> it's not any different. I never was an issue. Really? Oh, yeah. that's good. Then I, I read in one interview that um, you felt a little nervous. Maybe that was oh, an earlier I, interview. I do get a little nervous, but it's not. That's good. Do you okay. guys feel like at a, I, I sometimes when I talk to artists, it's like when I'm on stage, though, I feel kind of like in my happy place. Well, like yeah. this is where I belong. I mean, yes, it's just like, like, okay, I'm never nervous before a show. When I'm up there, I'm fine. But if there's a whole bunch of people looking, I'm definitely aware of it. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's important to be like aware and present in that because if you just brush it off like it's not there, then you really can't kind of channel that like anxiety that's built up and like use it, you know, it, towards what you're doing. It depends how like this the booth is set up. Sometimes if it's like if you feel really exposed, well, I never you're thought not. about that. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, like some like let's say it's like a stage, like a band stage, and there's like a spotlight on you, and like right. like they can see they can, can see, see everything. Well, they can see under the table. They can like it, I don't know, you just feel like there's nowhere. If I want to turn around and like duck down and have people not staring at me for 20 seconds and look at my phone and take a breath, I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I will say though, that you're like open. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Right, right. It's like, I will say though, some of those stages, the way they're set up, like now when they want to make it like really up close and personal, I get anxiety about that because the whole time we're playing, you just see everybody right there at eye level and like we're trying to play and you know that like within a few minutes, somebody's gonna either try to stick a drink over there yeah everyone's gonna give high fives and it's like you're put in this weird position where you want to interact with people and it's like really cool for them but you also are like i need to focus on what i'm doing too you oh know and God. nobody cares at all they just want they just want to like give you, give you and if you give somebody five the biggest thing is is now they're going to ask you for a five a every every song every yeah. song you know i mean it's gonna be and, and then hand you their camera no honestly i didn't even know what they were doing until like i read people complaining about it on twitter after like it happened like three times it's like is that what they're doing they want me to take a picture yeah from pretty my, much i don't understand like from my point of view take a picture of them or take a picture of the crap like i, 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 I signed somebody's white claw like in the middle of the oh, yeah. how the fuck did white claw blow the fuck up like when did this happen uh, like I mean, like three four months ago, I, I, I kept <laughs> around hearing, three four months. Ago. Well, no, no, no. Like no about, three, like, four, about three or four months ago is like when I started hearing about it constantly. But I don't know. I'm sure a year or two before that, <laughs> yeah. we were down in Tally, and I believe the kids down there at FSU were claiming to have like single handedly bought out like the nation supply of White Claw. Oh, that's when we had a shortage, huh? Yeah. So Damn. I don't know. I mean, the the bottom line is that malted seltzer beverages have been around for as Ever. long as, yeah, forever. Zimas. But, but now because everyone's on the health kick, so. Well, and I think just to take, it took a right time, right moment, right. some great marketing packaging, and, uh, you know, we love stuff like that. I mean, it's great to see companies, you know, that can really capitalize on. Right, great marketing too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, so back to more about your story. <laughs> <laughs> Rewind. Okay. Yeah, I'm to get off topic. <laughs> yeah, she, has, she has to rate me in. She has to rate me in. So I want to know. You've been in this industry for a long time. What was your very, very first job in the music industry? I don't know if I can say that on air. Oh, oh. no. Um, I mean, uh, say the very first job job would be. Uh, I don't know. Actual job, selling smart drinks at raves. Mm. You know, they were like slushy beverages. Oh wow! That had okay. like 
like health supplements in them, like, you know, like taurine and like, or just like vitamin B or whatever stuff. And they had like the word, it was, you know, like fruit punch. So it was like all sugar. And then they were like slushy beverages. And you'd go to parties and sell those. So that was my first job that I can talk about. That's very cool. But yeah, okay. We, We're we, going to ask what we can't talk about when we get off air. Don't worry. What about you, Brian? Um, this is all I've done. Yeah, you started off as a DJ right away, not yeah. even promoting or anything. I mean, I did. That's what I do now, too. So, like, uh, DJ produced in three parties since I was like 18. Wow. 17, 16. That's cool. You just went straight. Well, I, I started, like, DJing and producing like 16, and then I threw my first party, 17, 18, I think. Nice. Did you guys come a long way? Did you um, like play play instruments? Yeah, I played drums since I was like eight, and then. So you're uh, always kind of like a musician at heart, Mm -hmm. right? Because like I have a brother; he could play a note without even looking at the whatever the notes. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You know, like for me, I'm I was on the other side of the spectrum, but for him, it came so easy at such a young age. Did you play? um, Yeah, I played violin from a young age. My oh, father's awesome. a guitar player and teacher. He still teaches guitar. His father also taught guitar, and uh, I sang. And his father's father taught guitar. Yeah, father's oh, wow. father's father. Yeah. Wow. Oh, no. Passed no, no. on to no, generation. No, and I and like I said before, I, I used to sing, and I was in musicals, and I was in church choir as a kid. Um, that was kind of my thing, and then you know I didn't do, was got into throwing parties pretty rapidly after that, and threw parties and started DJing as well, same time. So. Oh. One question I, I wanted to ask before we sign off, and thank you to Golf Clap for tuning in with us and stopping by the station here in San Diego on the EDM Unplugged podcast. Out of I was looking at all the festivals you guys have done. I mean, you guys have there's some big festivals you guys have fucking rocked. Thank you. I'm looking at some of these YouTube videos. I mean, you, this shit was insane. What was probably one that really stood out for you in 2019? Like, wow, I didn't expect that, or that was epic, or you know, that was something that I, I have to go back and do. This last 12 months. Hmm. I would say in the last 12 months. It's, it's hard because like the ones that really stand out are usually ones that like we've known about and we've been doing it for a while. And then I mean, most recently lights all night was a festival that we've been looking forward to playing. You know, we've been spending, you know, several last five years touring all around the different cities in Texas and to get asked to play on their 10 year anniversary was really cool. And we drew a kind of a early evening time slot, which was cool because you know, you were playing late enough where it was like, you know, full on lights, everything going, but it wasn't so late that like the million dollar acts are on that people aren't missing. So we right. pulled a really nice crowd for it. it was played for the night base crew. Spot. Yeah. yeah. And we tag team with our boy codes, which is something that we've only done a few times out live. So I think that was a really cool festival. Um, I think last 12 months. Besides that, showing up to Electric Forest. And oh, my God, Electric, Electric Forest. Forest. We, were not, we weren't officially on Electric Forest this year. We played at the, on the main stage of Movement, which is very notable as well because it's a huge honor to get to play yeah. on the main stage. And we you know, started the day off from like no music and filled it completely to the brim. So that was you know, wow. a huge honor. It's so exciting. But we showed up surprised at Electric Forest and got added to play on a night in this uh, kind of newer expansion stage called the Observatory, or not the Observatory, the um, Carousel Club. And it's like a big, huge circus tent, but it looks like a nightclub on the inside. There's That's like so booths fun. and couches, and, yeah. it's, and it's huge, and it's, uh, it's pretty nice. So, And we're really excited this year to be back at Electric Forest this June, it's celebrating so my birthday. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to be Oh, great. when's your birthday? June twenty second. I'm June twenty fourth. Hey, high five! That's right when it starts. <laughs> Us summer babies have the most fun. 
That's a fact. One thing we wanted to know um, to Mark as well is that you guys are going to be coming back to San Diego March 2nd. Correct me if I'm wrong. March 7th. 7th. Okay, 7th. To Basement. Basement in downtown San Diego. Yeah, that's going to be during be Cross Festival. Can we come? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. let's go. Let's go. We'll rock out. And uh, we're excited to come back and do it too yeah, during Cross Festival weekend. No, that's going to be, that's that's gonna gonna be, be a big. crazy yeah. weekend here in San Diego. Crazy weekend in San Diego. Um, any last questions, Scarlett? Oh, man, I'm going to get I, these guys out. I think there's a lot more I would I like know, to ask. I know, there was a yeah. lot more, but I think one of them that really want, I really wanted to ask, because you guys, six years of hustle, right? And I know what it's like to hustle in this industry. Like, I started when I was 16. I've done, like, go-go dancing, DJing, marketing, like, a little bit of everything. So what are the key elements to like make it or survive in this industry? Um, I mean, one is just believing that you definitely can do it. Like there's like this myth that, oh, not everybody makes it and all this stuff. And it's not true at all. Hard work can't pay off. Yeah. I mean, if you like pretty much anything you want to do, but especially in the music industry, it's, there's nothing that's that hard to do if you don't just put the time in. And then besides that, I would add to, constantly innovate what you're doing because you know we've been at this a long long time and this isn't our first alias we've ever done and it's probably not the last alias we're ever going to do but it's you know been all about being able to be flexible to grow to you know adapt because uh, that's big adaptability well, this music business is maybe there for you but it's not going to wrap around you you know you have to you I mean you do have to be unique but you do also have to figure out a way to you know, fit into some of the constructs of the way things are going to be, you know, I guess it's the only way I could say it. Yeah. I, I have to ask this question. Um, I think about Detroit and I think about house music and I've only been to Detroit a couple of times, but I never had the chance to go for the house music. Same. Scene. I was a little bit younger. Maybe you can exp help us know what it is more since you're there day in, day out, what it really means. Detroit house music. What makes it stand out from other cities? Well, I mean, just the fact that, like, you know, house music has been so much more closely aligned with Chicago and New York, mm -hmm. you know, and Detroit's got kind of, you know, only been mentioned for techno for so long. But what, you know, people, I guess, didn't really give as much, you know, credit before as they do now are the people like Amp Fiddler and Moody Man and, and Des Andres and, you know, people that came out of that era that really promoted, a, you know, house vibe. But they've been part of crews that have been doing house just as long as all the techno guys, maybe even before in a lot of regards. It's just, it was a more of a social club thing and it was, you know, primarily black community doing that music. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, they wanted it that way, you know, as far as I know on purpose. So it was, you know, to be underground and whatever. And so, uh, and also through the gay community is why, you know, how a lot of the house music got birthed in Detroit when it did. Yes. Um, and so then now, you know, those, those artists have been at it for a very, very long time. And so they're, you know, rock stars overseas and touring right. and doing stuff. And that's, you know, and that's kind of paved the way for a lot of other different stuff too that's come out. But even the stuff now that's coming out, you know, you have to give credit to people like Grizz that are, is doing stuff right here and now, you know, for Detroit that's, you know, really, you know, bending genres, doing a lot of different stuff that hasn't been done before, you know, attracting a newer, younger audience. So... Well, well, we'll we'll end it on that note. I think that was a great note to end on. Thank you guys for, for tuning in with us, for stopping by. We really appreciate it. Welcome to the family here. Thank you. Uh, West Coast Radio on the EDM Unplugged podcast. Any what, any uh, new tracks that we have, someone should listen to that you're about to release or already have out? Uh, yeah. And we've been playing a bunch of them. 
There's a new one on our label from uh, Killed Cassette and Scapes, and it's got Steve Edwards on the vocals. He did the stuff for like Axwell and Bob Sinclair and Cassius. Wow. Okay. Well, we'll make sure to play that. Yeah. And how can people find you on Social socials? Media. At D-E-T on everything. And tune into our radio show, right, every Wednesday at uh, 8 p.m. On Pacific. Insomniac? On Insomniac Radio. Awesome. Awesome. We're out. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening. See you next time.